Good morning. morning. And it's nice to see a full hall this morning. You are indeed welcome to worship here at Kirkgate today. And if you're listening or watching the service, then we hope that you will feel very much at home with us this morning. Now, if I can just take the time to remind you, if you wish a seat on a Sunday or a Thursday morning service, or if you wish to cancel your seat for some reason or other, please give me a ring. Next Zoom chat meeting will be held on the Tuesday, the 2nd of November. As you know, they're only held once a month now, and the next one will be the first Tuesday in November. Right by collection will be uplifted on Tuesday, the 26th of October. I think you're all aware by this time that we are limited for space within the church. So please bring your goods uh, the week prior to the 26th of October. They will be very much appreciated. Thank you. Now, the Treasurer, Jean Rainey, has expressed her very grateful thanks to all who contributed to the Harvest Collection for Christian Aid. It was a magnificent sum of £392 that was raised. So many thanks to everyone for their generosity. Blyswood boxes, if you have any filled boxes at home, would you please ensure that you bring them before the end of the month and give them to Maureen? They, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, so I'm sure one or two do fill their own boxes at home. So if you have some there at home, please bring them with you before the end of the month. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you, Maima. Good morning, everyone. And a special morning to uh, those who are joining us online, we are so delighted. So my son asked me for a favor. He said I should mention him uh, since he stayed back. So welcome, Dee, to the service. Um, it's also a special welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Morton. We are so delighted to have you here. Uh, it's always nice to worship God, especially on a Resurrection Sunday, isn't it? Um, I always want to remind us that he is alive, and indeed, he is alive. For those who are not with us, uh, you can be assured with us that as you are joining with us right now or later, the Lord is with you. Give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his gladness and his greatness. Tell the nations what he has done. Sing praise to the Lord. Tell the wonderful things he has done. Be glad that we belong to him. Let all who love him praise him and rejoice. Remember, he is both mighty and loving. He is both mysterious and real. He is both a king and servant. He sees your need and he jumps up to you or slowly, gently comes to you and say, I love you. So in case things are so tough for you today or even in the days to come, may you remember he cares about you. And why don't we sing this and reminding ourselves, I heard, I heard the voice of Jesus say, him 540, from CH4. Let us sing together.
Let us unite our hearts and minds in prayer. Gracious Lord, we thank you for this time to step aside from all activities and busy routines, for the joy of spending time in your company and in the quietness, an opportunity to bring our worries and concerns and prayerfully before you place them in your hands. As you meet with us now, stay close and grant us your peace. Loving Lord, we acknowledge that you have the power to turn our weakness to strength, our despair to hope, and our defeat to victory. For gracious Lord, you are so mighty, and however much we feel up against it, or however daunting the challenge lying before us, we know we often lack the resources within us, but teach us to trust you fully and to know that you will provide, for nothing or no one will frustrate your will. Loving Lord, you are our friend, and you are mighty and higher than our highest thoughts, but you're always close by our sides, greater than we can ever think or imagine, more powerful than anything or anyone. You love us, and you care for us as a mother tends her child. You have a special concern for every one of us. Gracious Lord, we have much to answer for, for we constantly ask for your forgiveness, treating you at times like some kind of heavenly tap and always seeking more of what we need. Remind us often, Lord, that you do provide more than we can ever ask for, but your gifts are of a different kind. Your gifts feed our spirits and enrich our lives. Teach us to seek the gifts that you freely give and to refrain from seeking the material things of this world. May your light shine into the hearts of all people everywhere and illuminate their minds and hearts to the knowledge of your truth. And now let us join together in seeing the great family prayer that you taught to your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Stuart, and thank you, Maima, for that lovely prayer. We've been busy with a sermon series entitled Moments with Jesus. Have you had good moments with Jesus this past week? I'm sure you can all attest that Jesus is still busy. Now today we are going to be looking at a terrifying moment, a terrifying moment with Jesus. And we're going to be reading from John's Gospel, chapter 8. And most of you, you remember in John chapter 8, you come across that woman who was caught in adultery and brought to Jesus. What a terrifying moment it was. Now, I've got a question to those who can answer me, uh, especially those who are here. Have you ever catch someone doing something wrong before? If you have... Raise your hand. Have you ever catch someone doing something wrong? Or have you ever seen someone doing something wrong? 
all right, maybe closer home. Have you been caught <laughs> doing something wrong before? I'm sure not, not I've been caught so many times. Um, now, when, when you, you find someone doing something wrong, what do you do if you want to, let's say it's someone who is stealing, do you point at them, do you shout? If you are to point, can you, can you do this? Can you all point at me like this? And say, you, come on, you can do it, everyone. You, you know? Uh, so people would say, hey, you are wrong, you know? But have you ever realized that when you're pointing at someone like this, one finger is pointing at that person. Uh, I don't know where this one is pointing. <laughs> but the other three are pointing at you. <laughs> now this week I want you to do something, uh, it's not fun for some, but hopefully it will be fun. But I want you to go and collect a, a stone. We are close to, to, to the sea. I want you to go to closer to the sea, get a stone and keep it in your house. Um, for some of you, I'll be visiting you uh, once I'm back from a short, um, short week, um, and when I visit, please show me your stone. Um, but part of that activity as well is to remind you, anytime you want to accuse somebody else, get that stone and pray for yourself and for that person too, okay? Is that doable? Uh, as we, we, we think about you know, accusing others and pointing others that you are wrong, and other things, we prepare our hearts as we turn to God's word in John chapter 8. And let's bow our heads as we pray together. Since we do not live by bread alone, by, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Open our eyes to see you and our ears to hear you. As the word is read and proclaimed to us, may you draw us near to you, Lord. Amen. John chapter eight. Then everyone went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives Early the next morning, he went back to the temple. All the people gathered round him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman who had been caught committing adultery, and they made her stand before them all. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. In our law, Moses commanded that such a woman must be stoned to death. Now what do you say? They said this to trap Jesus so that they could accuse him. But he bent over and wrote on the ground with his finger. As they stood there asking him questions, he straightened himself up and said to them, Whichever one of you has committed no sin may throw the first stone at her. Then he bent over again and wrote on the ground. When they heard this, they all left, 
one by one, the older ones first. Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there. He straightened himself up and said to her, Where are they? Is there no one left to condemn you? No one, sir, she answered. Well then, Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, but do not sin again. Amen. I still want to emphasize when she says amen, just say amen. Don't be afraid. I think typical Presbyterians, they are so used to order, uh, and sometimes we, we can't even say amen. Um, you know, I'm waiting for a moment when we get back into church because it's going to be fun. <laughs> we join our hearts as we sing. There is a wideness in God's mercy. Some songs are almost there to lead us to think. Um, and I think we often sometimes take it for granted that we need to move, you know, to enjoy music. But we also need to think about what we are, we are singing. Today's sermon, as I said, is a terrifying moment with Jesus. Now, I've asked this question, and I want to ask it again. Have you been caught? I mean, doing something you knew 
you weren't supposed to be doing and you get caught, caught in the very act, so caught that you can't, you can't even lie your way out of it. There's no denying it, no excuses, no getting around or covering up for it. You are caught red-handed. And maybe the person shouts, I caught you, I caught you. Can you imagine how this woman felt as these religious leaders not only caught her in the very act of adultery, but then dragged her through the town and cast her into the center of the court of the temple? Like they have brought her in front of Jesus. And all the people who were there listening to Jesus all of a sudden drive their attention towards this woman. Now in front of Jesus, she is standing. And you can imagine all sorts of things as she is standing there. Now I don't want you to, to allow the awfulness of that to pass you by. Think about it. Can you imagine what is going on through her mind? There was no pity for her. There was no compassion for her. No empathy, no love. Only accusation, judgment, condemnation. People could have been calling her names. Truly, what a terrifying moment. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but in the Good News Version of the Bible, this passage is in brackets. Can you think of why this is so? Now, there's no doubt in my mind, perhaps in your mind too, that this is a very key passage. But if you are to read some of the notes in the Good News Version, it tells you that some versions of the older manuscripts do not contain this passage. Some older versions of this will contain this passage. It's found, as you know, some contain it in John chapter 7, and it's in different places depending on the Bible that you're reading. Maybe some of the reasons is this. Perhaps it is because on one side it looks as if adultery is okay because some people interpret that Jesus is condoning adultery. Secondly, it looks as if Jesus is saying no man should judge another, especially when it comes to sin or wrongdoing. So people felt that this story could do more harm than good. So that's why they didn't want to have it in the Bible. Thirdly, some people believe that Christianity should condone sin and they should not be disciplined or any kind of justice system for sin. So those are some of the reasons. Uh, but why then is it included in the Bible? Is it because it's just a good story to read? or there's more to it. Three more reasons for why this could be so key and important. 
to start with, it fits the very character of the Pharisees as we know them. Look at verse 5. In our law, Moses commanded that such, woman, such a woman must be stoned to death. Now what do you say? Typical of the Pharisees. They play around with the law. And they often wanted to play around with Jesus. Verse 6. They said this to trap Jesus so that they could accuse him. So typical. Secondly, this story fits the nature and the character of Jesus. The story reveals in Jesus a man with wisdom. He's always a man surrounded by people, loving people, and yet he displays wisdom, tenderness, and love. He had sin with his life, and his insight into human nature is so searching. And you cannot have an encounter with Jesus and be left the same. Typical him. You will see it again just now in this passage. Thirdly, Jesus' primary concern is neither to punish a wrong person nor to let him off, but to put him or her right. And that's important to notice and to note about this passage. And I think this is actually a good passage for us to look at, especially as we are thinking about moments with Jesus, because we encounter in this passage something unique. There is a lot for everyone to learn in this passage, especially how Jesus uniquely forgives her and tells her the truth, the truth that changes her life forever. Now, this is a terrifying moment with Jesus. If I could put it in other words, I would say Jesus comes in this passage with two things. On one hand, he has got grace, unmerited favor. On, on, on the other hand, he has got the truth. He doesn't skimp on either of these two. But we learn something from this. The truth without grace is cruel. It just beats people down. Some of you here sitting have been beaten with the truth. And grace alone without the truth is not good for you either. Because you can take it for granted. Someone said cheap grace is not worth it. So we all need the grace of God. But at the same time we also need the truth. And these guys bring this woman before Jesus, which is probably the worst day of her life when she's thinking about life. She's standing before Jesus, probably wrapped in, an, in only a sheet around her. And then they start quoting scripture to Jesus, which is never a good idea, by the way. As if to say, Jesus, do you know that the Bible says this? Do you know that the Bible says that? And I'm sure in his heart, Jesus is saying, yeah, I know. I wrote it. <laughs> so they are quoting Jesus. They are quoting scripture and trying to point how this woman is bad. And they are reminding Jesus that what this woman did is a sin. 
not only a sin, but it was also a crime, a crime that was punishable by death, according to Leviticus 16. Now, my guess is you've been in a situation like this before, and before you all get waked up, not caught committing adultery, but you've been found out, right? You've been caught. And I think back, to, think back to that moment when you were caught. Maybe you were doing something silly, something not as serious as this. What, what is it that you needed when you were caught? I'm not asking about what you wanted, but what is it that you needed when you were caught? Maybe you are a parent. You've definitely caught your children doing something they shouldn't have been doing. They are guilty, yes. Do you know what they need? What they need is the truth given to them in love. In other words, we all need truth and grace, as I've said. Now, I want you to check out this. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, the law commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And of course, I've already said they were using this question as a way of trapping Jesus in order to form a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Jesus doesn't even justify anything. And yet, instead, he just starts writing in the sand. The Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus wrote in that dirty ground or in that sand. And I've got so many theories and so many things I can think of. You can ask me on a different day. But that's besides the point. The point is not about what he wrote. But the most important piece is what he says what he says to this woman. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. That's what he said. Did you hear it? If any one of you who is without sin May they be the first one to throw the stone at her. That's what he said. But it's really important as well to know what Jesus did not say. Because a lot of us impose things on what Jesus said. We think we know more about the Bible and know about what he could have said. Now he didn't say this. He didn't say, look back at the crowd and say, come on. He didn't say, come on. It's, is it really a big deal? Maybe back in Moses' days, but not in our 21st century. We are cool. Come on, guys. It's not a big deal. He didn't say that. With all these other problems in the world, do you think what this woman did or whom he slept with doesn't matter. He didn't say that. Here's another thing he didn't say as well. He didn't say, give her a break. 
Give her a break. It's not really her fault. You didn't know and you don't even know her story. You don't know how his, her life is like. You see, I know her story. Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, see, you know, she has been in a bad marriage and this guy has just taken advantage of her. He didn't say that. He didn't even go on to say her husband doesn't treat her well. He didn't say she has got daddy issues. So she fell in love with this guy and, and they met yesterday and, and so forth. As Jesus could have done that. Jesus could have just looked at things because he knew exactly the details of what had happened. But he didn't say that. He also didn't say this. Come on. We all make mistakes. She is only 19 or 20 or a teenager. It is a party and it's college time. Everybody understands. He didn't say that. When I was thinking of this, I said to myself, maybe you wish, but he didn't say that. Jesus also didn't say, you are right. She was caught in a sin and the wages of sin is death. So let's do it. If you want someone to throw the first stone, I will be the one to th throw the first st stone. He didn't say that. What he said was, if there is someone else in this religious crowd who, is, who hasn't committed a sin, maybe not this kind of a sin, but any sin the Bible tells us not to do, if someone like that exists in this crowd, go ahead by all means, throw the first stone. That's what he said. But watch what happens. At this, those who had began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, it's interesting. Older people, take a lead. Are you taking a lead in this community where you stay? The Bible says Jesus was left alone with this woman standing there. Why did they go home? They were right. They had the truth on their side. They had the Bible to, to court and, and to, to put before Jesus. Why didn't they just point the verses and step on and start to stone this woman or judge her more? You know what stopped them? What stopped them was the truth. The truth stopped them. We can use the truth as a weapon to destroy other people. We can use the truth to destroy her. But when we are done, it will be time for the truth to deal with us. So let's be honest. Sometimes we're just like these Pharisees. Anybody been seen? Anybody has seen um, someone driving on the wrong side of the road or maybe driving on the line and think how stupid and idiot this person could be? And only to check your own car to realize, oh, you were also driving on the, light, on the line. 
When confronted with the truth, they put down their stones and walked away. Now, unfortunately, many people stop here when, they come, when it comes to this passage. They stop here and they say, wow, what an amazing truth. But Jesus isn't done. He's not done yet. We can't ignore what Jesus says next. The crowd is now gone and it's just Jesus and this woman standing right there. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus straightened up again and asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one says, she said, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Do you hear that part? This is important. This is part of the story that often gets left out. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. The one person in the crowd that was qualified to condemn her didn't condemn her. And listen, he could have. He could have picked the, the first stone because he could do it. He was the only one who had not sinned in any way. But he didn't. That's called unmerited favor. That's called grace. Grace is getting what you need. This woman needed forgiveness. She needed love. It's grace is getting what you need, not what you deserve. But the glitch is without paying for it. Now here is what Jesus is saying. I could condemn you, but instead I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you what you need and what you deserve. And what you need, not what you deserve, but what you need. What you need is grace. And what you need is love. And what you need is, great, and, and is compassion. But again, the conversation isn't over yet. Because Jesus wants the best of her. And he can't leave it there. So he says, and this part again is often left out. Go and sin no more. That's, that's the end of the passage. In other words, from now on, you can't do this anymore. You can't live your life like this anymore. You've got to stop. You've got to stop living your way, your life like this. Because it's not the best I have for you. Jesus gave her exactly what she needed. She needed grace so she could stand up and not be stuck in her mistakes. And she needed the truth so that she would not go back to sinning and sinning and sinning. And we need the grace and the truth of God today. Now, if we are going to emulate Jesus, we need to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked without condemnation, without compromise, filled with compassion. I believe that Jesus sees these religious leaders dragging in this woman. He knew what had happened because he could perceive everything. He knew their hearts. He knew that they were being hypocrites. He knew their hatred and condemnation. And he looks upon this woman and said, this is my daughter too. Jesus looked at her and said, she is the son of God. She is the daughter of God. 
He looks upon her with love and grace and mercy. If we are going to be like Jesus, we need to look at people with grace and love and compassion. What a terrifying moment. And how amazing it is that this terrifying moment turns into a moment of compassion, a moment of understanding and a moment of sharing grace. No matter what we have done, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. He is ready. He is ready to embrace us and give us the truth on one hand and the grace on the other hand. And when that has happened, you go back in the community and you are just leaping for joy because Jesus has done something great in your life. Not only has he shown you the truth, but he has shown you the truth and extended grace to you. Now you've got the truth and the grace of God and you extend it to other people and it keeps on being passed from one person to another. Do you know why we don't have many people? coming to Christ because we are always condemning people and we forget the grace that Jesus gives in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Generous God, you're a God of love. You're a giver of every good gift. Receive the gifts we offer this day our money, our love, our faith in you. Give us a desire to give ourselves fully to the work of creating your kingdom here on earth and as it is in heaven. You are the God of grace and mercy. Your love for us is wider and deeper and higher than we could ever imagine. And we are grateful for it. You call us friends and invite us to be co-creators of your kingdom here on earth. Lord, be with us. Heal our wounds, the wounds that have been created by people bashing the truth against people and forgetting the love and the grace. Like a true and a trustworthy friend, you are always with us every step of the way. For Jesus Christ, our Lord and friend, we give you thanks. For the church, for the families, for friendships, we give you thanks, our God and our friend, in the presence of your abundance. Keep us humble. And now in the silence of our hearts, hear us, Lord, as we pray for our loved ones, and we say these specific situations in silence. Let us pray for those we love, those we hate, those we don't like, those who are rushing to us when we don't want to be part of them. Let's commit them and our loved ones to God in prayer. Lord, we have been given an opportunity due to the pandemic to stop and make big changes to how we choose to live. We have a chance to heal our world, to make right some of our mistakes. Help us to choose to be filled with love for creation, 
to seek the ways to bring justice and equality for all people. Lord, we're praying for those who are not well, who are here right now. The blood of Jesus Christ that takes away all the sins to wipe away all the sins of sinfulness in us. May you heal the sick right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, those who are far, may you touch them that right now as I pray, you begin to transform their lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we declare we are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And we pray that you touch us like nobody else, like never before, because you do penetrate even through our hearts. Lord, we pray. Hear our prayers this morning. Lord, we pray that you empower those who are becoming weak for whatever reasons. That is, we leave this place, we may be able to proclaim once again the greatness of the power of Jesus Christ, the grace of God that surpasses all human understanding, the goodness of Christ that overflows to those around us, and Lord, go with us in the world where you keep us. Empower us now and forever to be different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the king of glory. He's the king of peace. And we remind each other as we sing, king of glory, king of peace. <clears throat> Please stand. 
Every Sunday we are given an opportunity, an opportunity to reach out to others. Hope something has made sense. If not, go back and read John 8. May God empower you to reach out to others. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit abide with each and every one of you now and evermore. Amen.